As always, a huge thank you to my Patreon supporter, Sean, and anyone else who listens to the podcast and supports it. If you want to sign up to the Patreon page, you can do that at patreon.com slash truckertalks. And in the next couple weeks, the bonus episode going into greater depth on Toy Story 4 will be going up on there for supporters at any level. So if you were enjoying the Toy Story series, that will continue over on the Patreon page. If you're not interested in that, you can support the podcast by liking and sharing it on any of your social media to spread the word and get more people engaging in the conversation. On with the show. Welcome to Trucker Talks. This is your Trucker Talking. My name is Brandon and on this week's episode of the podcast we are going to be looking into a concept inspired by a character in toy story 4 forky now i thought as you may know from the previous episode of the podcast that the philosophical questions posed by this character are just fantastic and criminally underdeveloped and underexplored in toy story 4 itself so i want to ask some questions about Forky and his existence, and how that might relate to human existence. One of the strange things about Forky is that he's made up of discarded, inanimate pieces of rubbish. Um, A a fork, some bits of pipe cleaner, some bits of plasticine or blue tack, maybe a bit of uh, glue here and there. And then, somehow, He becomes alive. He becomes conscious. And you know, you wouldn't be hard pushed to find a way of describing a human in a similar manner. You can alphabetize and systematize all of the different elements down to the atomic level that make up a human being in the correct ratios, and you could put all of those correct atoms, all the carbon, and the water, and whatever else makes us up, the proteins. You could put them all in a pile. You could even organize them in the correct, like, lattice, in the correct order, and it wouldn't automatically, therefore, be a human, would it? I mean, in the case of Forky, it did. The question becomes, what is consciousness? How does it emerge? Is it a property of the matter that makes us up or something more? And I'm sure there are more questions to discover. But to begin exploring this, we're going to turn to a science fiction cult classic series. Star Trek. Welcome new cadets to the teleportation room. As I'm sure you all know from your studies, this is powered by the Talithian crystals in the centre of the ship, which allows us to scan humanoids and other objects identifying the exact location, spin and orientation of every single particle that makes up the being, and then dismantle 
and reconstitute in a foreign place. Now, of course, at the moment, you can see there's some maintenance going on. Some anomalies occurred when we sent the captain and his away team on planet. And we are endeavouring to make sure that there will be no malfunctions. Did anyone have any questions about how this functions? Yes, uh, with the reconstituting and dismembering, is it, is it a painful process? Well, it's difficult to say. Since the scan identifies you just before you're dismantled, any memory that you produce in the milliseconds between dismantling and re-being put back together are not carried with you. So I suppose it's possible that it's painful, but upon arrival, you will have no memory of that pain. Is, is the person who arrives, once you arrive, at wherever you're going, a, the same person? <laughs> well, I'm an engineer, cadet. I'm not into philosophy like that. Oh, the captain's calling. Scotty, we need to get back onto the ship now. We're under attack. Captain, we're, we're still we're still doing maintenance on the Talethian crystals. Now, Scotty. We're, we're beaming you up. We're beaming you up. Captain. There's something wrong. What do you mean there's something wrong? We made it back onto the ship. The, the sensors, though. They're saying you're, you're, you're still on the planet. What do you mean I'm still on the planet? The, the system malfunctioned. You were reconstituted, but, but you were copied. The you on the planet is still there. Tropes about teleportation and possible complications producing clones and moral issues as to who the real person is and what should be done with the alternative versions have existed outside of Star Trek and even long before, proposed by philosophers and uh, scientists in many, many different forms. But the questions are really interesting and worth wrestling with. For Kirk, in this instance, questions of which one is the real Kirk, the one on the planet or the one on the ship, and what should be done about whatever conclusion is come to in that regard. Can one Kirk be killed without any remorse or moral value being attributed to that Kirk? One of them is certainly the result of a mechanical malfunction. And that's, of course, assuming that such a process would in fact produce two identical human beings. The question of whether or not we are nothing more than the uh, correct arrangement of particles is looming over the entire thought experiment. But interestingly, something like that teleportation process really does happen to humans in real life, just over a far longer time period. Now, I don't know if it's completely and utterly accurate, but there's a, an idea that humans roughly every seven years have replaced virtually every single particle that makes up their body, which would mean bit by bit, you have replaced all of the matter, the physical material, 
that was you. And now you are a different physical form, and yet still you. Of course, there's no complication as to whether or not there should be a different you that you value than the you that you are now, because you don't exist in two places at the same time, like good old Captain Kirk. But it does leave questions as to whether or not our consciousness can be attributed to a physical system or particular matter. In the two fictional worlds that I have brought up in order to examine this idea, that of Toy Story and Star Trek, there is an idea that if you organize matter in a particular manner, you will produce a conscious being. Forky being that of Toy Story, and the two clones of Kirk because of the malfunctioning teleportation device in Star Trek. Now, that truly is an assumption because we are not capable at this time of producing such an event. We cannot organize matter in such a way as to even produce something that we can call life that doesn't itself derive its life from something that is previously already alive. We do not watch any inorganic or inanimate matter go from inorganic and inanimate matter to living matter without some medium of pre-existing life entering into that equation. And so the definition of life, the qualities that define what life is, they're pretty illusory. They're pretty difficult to grasp or to even identify. And that leaves questions as to whether or not the premise held in these fictional universes is really reflected in reality. As we just talked about with the slow version of teleportation that we actually do experience, where all of the matter in our body is renewed over long periods of time, it appears our consciousness is, at the very least, deeply connected to material structures, but it is not limited to those structures or at least is in some way transferable between matter. It gets very confusing. C.S. Lewis proposed a metaphor for what consciousness is. He talked about a waterfall. And one of the things about a waterfall is that even though we're describing a thing, it's a label, you can see it and it's in one place, it's also not really one thing, since 
The water that makes up the waterfall is never the same water twice. It's constantly being renewed. The actual physical material of the waterfall is new water constantly. But what makes the waterfall something we can describe with a word that is distinct is its shape, its form. And though it doesn't tell us much about the actual distinguishable attributes of consciousness, perhaps metaphorically, the most useful way of conceiving of such and a phenomena is that consciousness is the form of the waterfall that makes up who we are. Matter flows through us. And we are the space. All of this conversation is meandering around some uh, well-known philosophical points of inquiry and questions. There's two questions that relate to the nature of consciousness that are well-known and labeled. One of them is called the easy problem, which isn't fundamentally that easy, but it's easy relative to the other one. And that question is, what is consciousness? Now, it's called easy because we have at least a proposed place to look to find what consciousness is. And that appears to be our bodies, and then more specifically, our brains. We know that we can manipulate our conscious perceptions by manipulating electrical impulses and signals and uh, hormonal uh, ratios within our brains. Now, that doesn't mean that we've actually answered the question. It just means we have a point of inquiry. The hard question is why do we have consciousness? Because theoretically, no matter how complex a behavior, it could be pre-programmed into a simple A plus B equals C system. In fact, we don't see any measurable means of describing human action as anything other than Newtonian physics. Atoms hitting atoms, billiard balls hitting billiard balls on a table. It appears, on a scientific level, that everything, short of quantum mechanics and areas of science that we're not going to look into in detail now, are causal in nature, which means that if you had enough data about the beginning of the universe, you could calculate every single event to follow. Now, there are other theories, but they are only theories about this hard question as to why we have consciousness. Sir Roger Penrose, he talks about how he believes that consciousness is not computational meaning that it is not a system that just 
takes an input and algorithmically sends an output, that there is something less concrete or less systematic about the nature of consciousness. But then Jordan Peterson proposes that consciousness is like a meta-analysis of one's own instincts. He defends the idea that consciousness is where we can accurately and safely propose the existence of free will. And he argues that even neurological studies that show that sometimes a decision in our brain is made before we can consciously say we've made a decision, that that doesn't worry him because we make decisions before our bodies have manifest them all the time. He, he talks about ballistic movements. If I'm going to throw my hand towards something but stop it before I hit it, I cannot send signals down my arm quick enough to decide that in the time that my fist has moved from where it is to the point that I want it to stop. And so I've decided that it will stop moving, maybe even before I start to move. And so there will be discrepancies in where a neurological scan discovers that a decision has been made and where the action that constitutes the decision's fruition comes about. Now, I'm not proposing that any of these answers are conclusive and that we've solved the problem. It's called the hard problem for a reason. But I think it's worth thinking about the fact that consciousness is not easily explained. But it is not easily explained by a purely spiritual perspective or a purely scientific ex expression of the, the, the problem. There really isn't an easy answer. I guess all I want to provoke is you to maybe feel the weight of that for a moment. If you feel like you have the answer, in this regard, it's likely you don't. And maybe for all of us, that's a perspective we could take on more things more often as we keep the conversation going with Trucker Talks. As always, a huge thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. We will be back next week as always. And if you would like to comment or send an email to the podcast, you can do that by emailing thistruckertalks at gmail.com. And I would love to hear what theories or ideas you have regarding any of the problems proposed in this particular episode. Uh, what do you think Kirk should do in the instance of his cloning inadvertently through that malfunction? Uh, do you think that the 
perception of most films and media that organizing material in the correct manner could produce consciousness? Is that something that you hope for? Is that something that you would be against? I'm really curious as to what you might think about this stuff. And if you want to talk to other people who might be listening to the podcast, you can comment on the Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash trucker talks. I really look forward to hearing from you and to seeing you again next time.